Okay, Jamie, so now can you kind of share with us um, what took place after hearing that there was no heartbeat? So I called in the support team. I called my parents, told them to get to the hospital, didn't tell them why. Um, told everybody, um, everybody who is Jordan's parents, my parents, godparents, Jordan's sister, my aunt, everybody who is important to us, I told them to get there. And this is during COVID times, so we had to meet them in the lobby. And I remember coming down and everybody being so excited and having to tell them face to face. And it was heartbreaking. It was so hard to see. I couldn't even look over at my in-laws in Jordan because I couldn't break any more than I was already broken. Like, I had to be strong. Like, they were all looking at me to be the strong one because I knew what I was about to have to do. And I know it was on their minds, too, and it was delivery. And I just remember looking at my parents, and they were so helpless. Like, how do they navigate this with their daughter trying to have her own child? Like, it was so, it was complicated for them. And it was complicated for, I don't want to tell anybody else's story, but um, parentage has not been easy on my mom's side of the family. So this is their worst nightmare. And it's a reality. And like I had to calm them down. And so my mom pulled in a few favors and they were able to come upstairs with us. And so we started talking about delivery. And my C-section was scheduled on November the 2nd. Um, Because of the size, I was really worried about shoulder dystocia because my tailbone was giving me so many problems. So we decided a C-section would just be the easiest and safest route. So I was like, whatever you think, because I trust my doctor and I trust my team. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and have a C-section. And that's not how that works. (laughs) C-sections are designed to get babies out in an emergency to save their lives. C-sections are designed for when there's no other options and this is the last possible option that you have to get a baby out when they're alive. C-sections are not designed to take out babies when they're passed. And I didn't think about that. You know, like that didn't, it never registered to me. It had to be uh, told to me. And I was like, you mean I have to do what? (laughs) Like, they're not going to come out. He's too big. And they're like, well, that's the projected weight. Now he might be small enough to be able to have. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not going to be me. I'm not doing that. Like, that's just not going to happen. And I was in complete denial. And so finally I told everybody to leave. And I had like a one-on-one with the doctor that was on call. And I was like, all right, Girl to girl, how long do I have to, like, do this before I get a C-section? And she said it's going to, she said it's an insurance issue, but it's also, like, a coverage issue. And then there's also, like, once you have a section, you pretty much have to have sections. Um, She said V-backs with big babies are pretty dangerous. And she said, we don't, let's not even talk about that part. Let's just talk about what we can talk about right now. She was like, let's start the induction and just see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, then your regular doctor is going to be here tomorrow. 
So you can talk with him about a different plan. This is just the current plan of action. And I was like, okay, I appreciate that because it's like you kind of bowing out because you know, like, I ain't going to do this. But also, like, you're kind of getting me on board to kind of do it. So they gave me the option. So they told me, you can do this and this and this. And that's considered the most conservative measurements. And we're going to monitor you all night. So at five o'clock, they put me in my room and there was like this weird curtain, like on this side of the room. And then the bathroom was right here. And then Jordan had to sleep on the awkward couch. And I remember being up there and I'm like, okay, so what, what do I do? Like what's actually going to happen? Cause I know we went through the options, but I've done forgot about that 10 seconds after we talked about it. So like now that everybody's gone, I can focus, you know, cause I'm trying to like, host my mom and host my dad and make sure that they're there and like they know that I'm strong because like if I fall apart they are losing it and they will never be the same and same thing for Jordan's parents like I just remember Miss Christy be it Jordan's mom being in the corner like like she agreed with everything I was saying and everything I was asking and I just remember like that support I was like we gonna get this Miss Christy like I just remember she was my cheerleader in the corner and I'll never forget that woman has such a has a place in my heart and like I remember once they were finally gone I was like okay so what's the most conservative one we can do and she was like we're gonna try Cervidil and I was like okay but that's not gonna work and I remember saying that out loud she goes we're gonna try Cervidil and I'm like okay (laughs) got it (laughs) and it didn't work (laughs) so then we tried it again and it didn't work and so she was basically buying me some time and I remember like going to sleep for like a few minutes that night. Like I don't think I even really slept. I just looked at the tile and I counted how many holes were in the ceiling tiles. And it was like I didn't even know what to say to God. Like when I was finally by myself and my husband was sleeping and snoring a little bit, <laughs> I was so grateful because I knew the next day he was gonna need he was gonna need that sleep. And I just remember laying there with my back turned to him trying not to cry loud enough so he would wake up and it's the kind of praying that you do or no words come out and I just remember like I just remember the date um it was October 17th and it was my husband's best friend's birthday that's in heaven um and his son is my husband's godson and he loves that little boy more than anything in this world and all I could think about is my son is with him in heaven and his son is here with us on earth and like it was so twisted to me that that's how it was but I was so grateful like this weird sense of gratitude that like I knew I knew some a real one was up there with him he wasn't by himself even though he had siblings like it just meant more to me that he was there and they share that date and they will forever share that date Um, and then my mom got there super early. I wasn't even sleeping. My mom got there super early. My mother-in-law got there super early. And I think all the boys went to go get coffee and they all came back with coffee and they wouldn't let me have any. And I was like, you know, I got the pregnancy nose still. Like (laughs) I can smell your coffee from down the hall and y'all all all have coffee and they won't let me have anything (laughs) because I'm prepping for a (laughs) C-section. 
And I remember that door flew open and I'm like, who else could possibly fit in this room? And it was my doctor. And we locked eyes. And my husband says this story like perfectly because he was standing in the corner by my dad, consoling my dad, talking with my dad. And because him and my dad have this, this love language that only him and my dad have. Special. Yes, very much so. And he said he watched this man lock eyes with me and it was like he saw me at the end of the altar and I was the only person he saw in that room. And I felt like that because he came and he hugged me like for a long time. And he just kept saying, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. And he just said it in so many different ways that you can say, I'm sorry. Like, he just kept saying it over and over. And I was like, all right, Doc, what's the game plan here? And he was like, he was like, all right. He was like, how are we going to handle this? And I was like, I, I need to like bulldog through it. Like, I only have a little bit of strength. And what I got right now is like pumping. So let's go. Like, I'm excited to see you. So what's the plan? Like, can I please have a C-section? Basically, is what I'm asking him. <laughs> He's like, well, you're ready to have a C-section? And I'm like, praise Jesus, I get to have a C-section. <laughs> I had never been so excited to go into the knife in my life. And so then I was like, what time? He was like, an hour and a half. And I'm like, okay, uh, do I have time to curl my hair? Like, and get my wedding photographer here? <laughs> because, like, you know, this is the Super Bowl. Like, you know, this is the Super Bowl. Like, we're meeting our baby. And, like, it was so, I was so happy because we were meeting our child. And I was devastated because we were never going to bring him home. And it was like, all I could focus on was like the positive because I knew the other things were going to happen. And so I didn't want to ruin the moments that I did have. And so I tried to stay super positive. Thank God my husband is who he is. Jesus Christ almighty. Thank God for him because he's very like in the moment. And like, when I tell you, I leaned on him with all of my weight. I leaned on him with all of my weight and he carried me the whole time between him and the God, they both carried me and I'm heavy. So I am pregnant at the time. So I know it was a big ask, <laughs> but, um, so we got ready for the C-section and we talked about all of our options and I was going in with half the drugs, which I knew like I had the higher chance of feeling pain. I had a higher chance of being more uncomfortable. I had a higher chance of feeling a lot more pressure and I was going to have no emotional support. So the reason why we did all of that, or I wanted to do all of that, was the second that he came out, the clock started for him, for how long we were going to have him before we never got to see him again. And I didn't want any drugs to mess with those memories. So, because we elected to do the fullest autopsy to the fullest extent that you can do an autopsy, that's what we wanted. Um... So we did. And it was, whew, it was a C-section. I was not in any pain, but I felt a lot more than I was anticipating feeling, especially because I had to vacuum him out of my C-section because he was nine pounds and 12 ounces and 20 inches long. He was a Goliath at 37 weeks. So then I was like, uh, okay. Told y'all he was going to be big. Now, Jamie, would you change any of your choice no. as far as healing? No, because I remember my doctor asking me, how do you want us to treat him? Like, 
do you want the lights really low like what do you want and my doctor gave me the gift of creating the memories that I wanted to create in that time period like they were all there for me in Jordan they were all there for me in Jordan and they did they treated him like he was going to come out screaming and we didn't know until he was born what he was going to be and he was a big old boy and I remember Jordan coming around holding him like this and the first thing I saw was the inappropriate thing I'm not going to say and the second thing I saw was oh my god I gave birth to my dad (laughs) and all I could think of is like god he looks just like my dad and he had a lot of disrupted skin um one because of the trauma that his body endured and two because you know there's a they start to degrade over time in, in the amniotic fluid and that's just how stillborns look but his was exacerbated and I just remember even without like all of the skin like he looked just like Tim and I'm like oh my god and I, just, I looked up at Jordan I was like we have to call him Oakley Timothy and he goes I, we have to he looks just like your father and like I had said it for a couple of ultrasounds but man I was like he looks just like Tim and then Jordan showed me that he had uh, two left thumb tips. So they were, I'll show a picture. I have a picture. But let's see. Let me pull them up. So his little heart, his little thumb was shaped like, hold on, I'm going to show them. His little thumb is shaped like a heart. His little thumbprint is shaped just like a heart. And I will show you all the thumbprint. So these are his handprints from the hospital. And his little thumbprint is shaped just like a heart. I know. So Jamie, you had mentioned you had, so you had a photographer. Yes, my wedding photographer, Hannah, came. Like she dropped everything and showed up for us. So as far as for keepsakes, y'all had several keepsakes for sure. Um, We got a bereavement box from Ailey's Angels. And I didn't even know it was an Ailey's Angels box until like a couple of months ago. Which is kind of comical because I remember seeing the logo. But like it just didn't register to me. But um, we had the tape measure. We had the blanket. We had the coins. We had the bracelet. We didn't get a bereavement gown because at the time... They didn't make bereavement gowns big enough for full-term babies. Um, Heartstrings and angel wings only makes bereavement gowns for babies that are preemie and teeny tiny. And Oakley was nothing but huge. <laughs> so there wasn't anything appropriate for his size. Um, so we clothed him in a zero to three month outfit. That was literally a, a two piece separate because <laughs> that's all we had. And thank God I brought it because there was nothing else for him at the hospital. Like he didn't fit in anything else. Which I thought was, like, wild. (laughs) Now, Jamie, what about um, the cuddle cot? I know that you mentioned that y'all were able to use the cuddle cot. So, we did in the beginning. So, we we got back to the room after the C-section. We had him, like, christened and all of that. Um, I'm Catholic, so it was important to me that the priest came and saw him. And so, right after all of that happened... We, I told my family, I was like, I'm going to need some food. I'm starving. I just had a C-section. You're going to need to go to my house and take care of my dog. And so I sent everybody away and I started talking to the nurses and they brought in the cuddle cot 
and they showed us how it operates but ours broke like right after that and I said okay so now what do we do and they're like well we have a second one and I was like okay great so they're cleaning everything up they're monitoring me I'm doing really good so they're gonna send us to our postpartum room so they were going to get the new cuddle cot, send me to the postpartum room, and we were going to be leaving from where we were. Well, <laughs> the second one broke, and then we were out of options. So the other, other two options that you really have are to put them on physical ice in your room or to send them back and forth to the morgue. And I didn't know which one was going to break my heart more because my friend Kat... Um, I had just finished reading her story about Bowie and she started the Rainbow Foundation for cuddle cots to make sure that, that they're available and they're ready and they're everything. But they had just kind of got off the ground. They even they hadn't even had their first benefit yet, so they didn't have any way to help us yet. Um and I just remember wanting to pick up the phone and call her and be like, Okay, I don't know how to use this, I don't know what's going on, like is it really broken? But it really was like my husband tried and tried and tried and watched videos and did everything and it just wasn't, it wasn't working. So we decided we both needed some sleep. So we sent him back and forth. But the time frame for that was at the, at eight o'clock the very next morning, we were going to have to say goodbye because our time got cut short and we wanted to do an autopsy. So it was important that they had enough time. And I remember it was just so sad. Like the high had kind of worn off. And it was so devastating to come to the reality that everything you feared came true. And that we were going to have to go home to a beautiful nursery with no child to put in it. And it was horrible. And we had so many questions that we just literally wrote down on our phones and put aside because we knew how important the time we had was so we took so many pictures of him and so many pictures of him. I think together, Jordan and I took over 500 photos of him and we soaked him in and we took some videos of him and they came and they got him at eight o'clock in the morning. It was a little bit early actually. <sighs> Nothing prepares you for that. Nothing prepares you for the moment that you have to say goodbye forever to your child. But we did. Because what else are you going to do? You can't keep them. And Jamie, at this point, had y'all decided what y'all, what y'all wishes were for, as far as... No. Family? The hospital, um, the hospital did not get in touch with us they had mentioned Maddie's before the delivery but I said pump the brakes on everything after 
because I want to stay in this moment. And the hospital was so great about that. Um, and right after they took him, the the person who's like in charge of helping, uh, the social worker that's in charge of helping families get in touch with Maddie's, um, she came in and she helped us by walking us through exactly what Maddie's does, exactly who Maddie's are, how to fill out the application. She offered to fill out the application for us and we did that together. And then she said, this is the options that you have for burial. And I had never even thought about a burial, like stupidly, I felt like at the time, but you just, it's all so it's new and it happens so fast. All these moments that we've been talking about, they happen so fast. Like they're there and they're gone and they're memories before you even have a chance to really realize that they're memories. So we decided to go with Martin Castile Funeral Home and a family friend of my best friend, Sarah, um, he was like the director. And so I was so comfortable talking to him and he made us feel so welcome and he gave us all of our options and walked us through everything. And I remember looking at the price on the screen thinking, oh my God, how, what are we going to do with that? Like that's everything we saved for maternity leave. And he said, Martin Castile has paired themselves with Maddie's footprints and so this is the actual cost and like it was thousands like tens of thousands and it was literally the only thing we had to come out of pocket for was like 1200 at the beginning and I was just so elated because I was like how is that possible and it's because Maddie's is possible because Lori and Travis made it possible for us and I just remember going home and crying because I was so grateful that I had an opportunity to bury my kid you know like I never thought I'd ever have to be grateful for something like that and I just truly was and we decided that we were gonna bury him on well we were gonna have his service on the 30th skip Halloween and have him buried on the first which is All Saints Day and our priest Father Shambo he I'll never forget that he called him a saint during his service and he said souls that don't touch the earth but touch the hearts of others are saints and your son will forever be a saint and he said and I think it's just fitting that you decided to bury him on All Saints Day and that meant so much to both of us but we decided in the hospital with nobody around, I was like, I don't just want a burial. I want, uh, I want to memorialize him and all he was because Jordan and I work with the public. Jordan's got like thousands of clients. I've got hundreds of clients. We are very public, very, very public people. And so I remember being like, how do you publicly lose this large? And I was like... You just do. You just do. Just say it. Because people are going to find out anyway. And you're his mom. So tell everybody about him. So everybody, you know, we lost, we buried a child publicly. Very publicly. So with all the eyes on us, we announced his memorial trip to Oregon. 
the same place that we decided that we were going to have him. We wanted part of his ashes to be scattered there forever because there's a piece of us that will always be there forever in our hearts. And we laid down roots with Oakley by scattering him there. So we had zero plan, like zero plan. We had our budget from our maternity leave and we had the time already scheduled. So like we weren't really concerned about that part as much as we were concerned about um, driving all the way across the country with our dog in the car with us, like bringing our baby's ashes with us. And, and, you're recovering from a and I'm recovering from a C-section. This is three weeks post a C-section. Actually, two weeks post my C-section. Because it took us several days to get up there. So we got from Lafayette, Louisiana to Hood River, Oregon in three days going up there, driving like 17-hour days. And it was crazy. It was crazy. Like, I, we literally took off and I'm like, okay, where do you want to stay tonight? He goes, wait, we don't have a hotel booked yet. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I remember like the gas prices at the time were high. <laughs> I remember like the highest price was like less than four dollars, four twelve. I'm like, now it'd be like twenty five dollars. So y'all would definitely. Mm. Yeah, we winged the whole thing, and it was just like God was with us the whole time. It was like He was the wind in our sails, like literally, like every little thing would just line up. Every little thing would just be perfect. So we get to, like, we got to the gorge at sunset, unplanned completely unplanned and I'm just watching this place that means so much to us and it was beautiful god it was beautiful like in when I'm having a bad day I just mentally go there and it was just so gorgeous sorry I have the hiccups so it was just gorgeous and you could just see the you could just see the mountain in the background like on that highway you just see it it's right there and I just remember staring at that mountain being like we made it like the east made it to their final destination west <laughs> and like we kind of like unpacked and did everything and we met up with our really good friend Mike up there who owns a barber shop so him and my husband are very close and it was just beautiful like everything lined up right like he was already off of work with his kids and it was great and just like so many things like I can't even tell you how many things so Mike was going to bring us to all these different locations to choose where we wanted to lay him to rest. Unbeknownst to us, Mike has gone through something similar. And we didn't know until then. And so he brought us to all these beautiful locations. And then we went, wound up on the Lyle Sandbar, which is literally in the gorge. It's mountains on either side. This side is White Salmon. This side is Hood River. And the Hood River Mountain is on this side. So in the gorge... It's a huge river. It's the uh, Columbia River. So we had to kind of climb down, go over some train tracks, climb down and get on this sandbar. So like it literally is pushed up sand, but you're walking in the river. Like at any point in time, it's like sand in the river. And just like no, like normally I'd freak out about stuff like that. Didn't have any worries. Didn't have any, it's that, that place is never going anywhere. And I remember being in the middle of the gorge, just looking up at it. And I was like, this is the place. So Jordan let Hash Brown off the hook and he starts whipping it around. And I'm like, dog check, baby check. We good. Like, this is the place. So we like gear up, get all the stuff, get ready to go. 
and it we ended up scattering his ashes on his due date and so we did a lot more than just scatter his ashes during our our, I would call it our memorial trip um we tattooed his thumbprint my husband tattooed his right here in my handwriting because I'm his mama and I tattooed mine right here in Jordan's handwriting because that's his daddy and we both got his thumbprint and then I got this tattoo these are the coordinates where he is and like the whole tattoo is a story I did it blind so like I didn't know exactly everything that was going to go into it until it was done all I said is I want a tree and I want the coordinates and I want a root system and so it's very I'll share it another time but it's a super meaningful tattoo for me and we just had we just relaxed we documented everything the whole way up there and told Oakley's story told the whole world about his down syndrome told the whole world about his car accident told everybody about everything and it's still up today and on the way back home it took us five days to get back home because we didn't want to come back home <laughs> like we did not want to come back but I remember calling Kat and talking to her about the benefit because while we were up there she had the benefit her first benefit and I wanted so badly to be there for her going through what I went through so Jordan and I decided to raise money for Rainbowy and we were in Dallas Texas when we started the fundraiser and in 24 hours we met half of our goal and our goal was 5,000 and we got to 5,100 so I'm so I was so happy about that and then, um, you know, I was just like on, on cloud nine, like I was just so like, what's Kat doing? Where, what are we doing? Like, you know, like how do we move through this? Like she was such an inspiration for me at the time and she still is today. Like I made a huge business decision to leave the place that I was at and go and work with her because there's nobody in the world who can understand like she does. She owns a hair salon and she's lost a child, you know, and she's climbing back from that loss in such a, like, with grace and strength and dignity and, like, in the most beautiful way possible. Like, she's literally such an inspiration to me. And I was like, I want to be where she is because I know, like, I'll be okay because I have somebody who understands. Like, I have somebody I can lean on when I need, if I need. And, you know, she's... She's an angel on earth. She really is. Now, Connor, could you share with us, um, Jamie, because I think it's just um, something that, you know, several moms who have suffered a loss, you know, feel the same way. Any advice you can give to a parent who is considering trying to give? Just do it. Just do it. Because you can, no matter what happens it's going to happen anyway. The time will pass anyway. And you can either let that time pass by walking in faith, or you can let that time pass by walking in fear. And I walked in fear for a long time in my son's pregnancy. And so this next one, I'm walking in faith and I'm walking in happiness and I'm walking in courage and bravery because I wasn't those things with Oakley, but I'm going to be now. Um, 
it may not be true for all parents, but for me, losing my son taught me the ultimate lesson of surrender. That we, you can plan all day long, you can worry all day long, and none of it's going to change the outcome. So just do it. Take the leap of faith. You know, you don't have anything left to lose at that point. You've already lost it all. So the best outcome is a child here on earth. Amy, your story has been truly um, inspirational, emotional. Um, I feel like I cried through the whole thing. <laughs> and I think it's great that you share and are so passionate about sharing Oakley's story. And I hope you know that you have so much to be proud of. And Thank you. We are so, so honored to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. Can I share something I wrote for the podcast? Absolutely, please do. I'm going to sit up. This podcast did not find you by accident. It found you on purpose. The universe works like that. You find yourself where you need to be, right when you need to be there. And if you are feeling down right now, I have a few things I'd like to share before you get back up. Take from it what you will and leave the rest. Stay down for as long as you need to. Society and social media tells you constantly to get back up quickly after you hit rock bottom. You will hear, get on with it. You can have another baby. Get over it. Get back up. You have to keep pushing. You should be doing better. Well... I am here to tell you that you are completely and utterly entitled to take your time. Healing isn't a race, neither is processing. Progress looks different in us all, and you set the pace for that, no one else. So cry if you want to, wherever you want to. If anger comes up for you, feel it. You've been hurt badly acknowledge that because I will let you in on a little something I've learned on my journey riding the waves of grief you can't run from waves because they always find you what you push away doesn't go away if you ignore it it will sting and burn and hurt and fester inside of you until you can't ignore it anymore so what do you do how do you do You allow your emotions and feelings to coexist with one another. You're allowed to cry your eyes out and then smile after. You're allowed to laugh and grieve at the same time. You're allowed to be happy and heartbroken all at once. Life is so not black and white. You take your time while you're down. You figure out what your next move is. You figure out where you want to be. And that may look completely different from what you thought it was going to look like. But only when you're ready, dust yourself off and you get back up. You're welcome. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I appreciate it.